What I want to talk about this morning as I was praying, and the Lord just kept bringing this to me over and over, it's one of probably the greatest experiences a pastor has uh, in, in what they're called to do is seeing people come to faith in Jesus Christ, coming to place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, faith in the Word of God, faith in Father God, and the Holy Spirit, and all that God has provided for us. It's just nothing like it that you can be a part of of that transitioning from a life of darkness and death into a life of light and life in Christ. It's amazing. But one of the probably saddest things for a pastor is to see people lose their faith. I call it being sadder than death because if I see a saint or someone who's got their faith in Christ die, I know that this, this, this life is just like a, the, the grass of the field. It's just here today and gone tomorrow, but eternity is forever. And to see someone in faith die, we don't, we don't grieve like the world grieves because we know that this, to, to take our last breath here is to take our first breath in eternity before God, and it's just the beginning. So, but when you see someone who loses their faith or discards their faith, in this life, and you know what eternity is like, that to me as a pastor is probably one of the saddest things. And, and um, I, I'm just here to encourage you today to live your life for the Lord all the days of your life, and don't let the schemes of the enemy uh, succeed against you. I'm going to help make you aware of some of the schemes of the enemy as he is attacking your faith more than anything else. He knows your shield of faith is all it takes to quench every fiery dart he throws against you. And if he wants to get a fiery dart in to in your life, he knows he's got to get you to drop your shield of faith. And we know that the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. So we have to walk by faith and not by sight. And we enter into our relationship with God in and through and by faith and faith alone. We are justified by faith. With all of that, Satan says, if I can take out their faith, then I've got the rest of them. So our faith is under attack. And I want to encourage you today. I want to educate you today. I want to equip you today so that you will guard your faith, understand your faith, fight for your faith, and use your faith like you've never used it before. Now, in Romans 8 and 38, the Bible says, I am persuaded that neither death nor life... Well, how about let's go back to my first uh, caption there. We're talking about faith fatalities. Okay, we're going to be looking at faith fatalities this morning. And these are faith fatalities that we are going to be equipped on so that we don't allow ourselves to have them come in with a crime scene where our faith has been destroyed. So in that, looking at Romans 8 and 38, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The good news is this, there ain't a devil in hell 
can steal you out of the hands of God. There's not a devil in hell, not an angel, not a principality, not a person that can take you out of the hands of God. You need to understand the security you have in the hands of God that no outside force, no other created thing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you, but you must also know that you as a free will agent that can choose to place your faith in Christ or not, who can choose to call on the name of Jesus or not, with that same free will, you can walk away from God. You can turn your back on God. You can deny God. You can reject God. That has been given to you as a free will agent. And God created us with free will because he wanted a love relationship with us. And if he created us without free will, there could be no love relationship. We would be his soldiers. We would be his uh, robots. We would be just created beings. But because he's given us choice, it is out of the heart of love. God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son that all we have to do is believe in him and we can have eternal life and not perish. So we can choose to be a part of the family of God, or we can choose to reject God. The parable of the, uh, the father and the uh, prodigal son shows us that the son could choose to leave. And the father who, when he did return back, the father said, my son who was dead is now alive, and he is home. So that we must understand. So Satan, knowing that, he has set things up to attack us in such a way that we would become so discouraged or we would become so despondent that we would choose to turn our back on God, throw down, throw down our shield of faith, and say, I'm going to live life without that. And that's what we want to talk about this morning, the four most frequent reasons why people lose their faith. What is it that is killing our faith? And you need to write these down, need to take notes, if borrow your wife's lipstick and write it on, uh, you know, on a, a napkin or something. You need, these are important. This is so important because this is right where the battle, the intensity of the battle is. Satan, he, he, before he can get you to deny Christ, before he can get you to leave the body of Christ, before he can get you to turn your back on the Word of God, he's got to get you to drop your shield of faith. Because that shield of faith is keeping out every fiery dart that he had, everything that he has planned to destroy you is being thwarted with the shield of faith. So he's got to get your faith down so that he can take you out. And so that's why this is so important. So Lord, we just pray in the name of Jesus by your Holy Spirit that you would teach us, you would help us, you would equip us, you would strengthen us, you would guide us, you would fill us with wisdom from heaven today, Lord God. I pray as we study your word, let revelation come, let illumination be established. Lord God, let your word cause our faith to rise. Even as we study about faith, Lord, in your word, let faith arise, we pray in us this day, in Jesus' name, and everybody who's got victory said, amen, and amen. So looking at the four reasons why people lose faith, the very first one we want to talk about is what I call hypocrisy, hypocrisy, and all the empir empirical research that is done, they find that people check that box most often, why they left the church, why they left faith, why they turned their back on Christianity and it's because of hypocrisy. 
Some of them had a blowout. Some of them it was a slow leak. But eventually, hypocrisy won out. Now, hypocrisy is when we put our eyes on people. And let me tell you what. If you place your eyes on people, you are certain to be disappointed. The enemy knows if he can get your eyes on people, he'll get that shield of faith down. He'll get those fiery darts in, and he will destroy you. It may be uh, an experience you've dealt with a Christian and they've done you wrong or they promised something they didn't deliver or maybe they give you an attitude or you interpreted the attitude as a way that, that wasn't the way it should be coming from a Christian. Whatever it is, let me tell you what, if you've got your eyes on people, they will disappoint you. Satan uses that as the number one strategy to cause us to drop our shield of faith. I remember when I was going to Bible college back Way back, way back. And, uh, and I, I, I didn't grow up in a Christian community. I'm, and they all probably said they were Christians, but you know, you know how that goes. And, uh, and there was a lot of stuff went on. that didn't, It was in the Bible, but it's the negative stuff in the Bible that says you're not supposed to do. But, um, <clears throat> and, uh, and I was thinking when I, coming from this background, when I go to this Bible college, I'm going to be moving in with hundreds of students who are, like next step of being an angel, you know, they're going to be like these angelic people. They walk around, hallelujah, you know, God bless you. It was just going to be the most amazing next to heaven experience. I don't know why I thought that, but that's what I thought. And I remember I drove up on the campus and immediately uh, before I got uh, unpacked in my room, I'd already met three knuckleheads. I mean, literally knuckleheads. And I mean, they, they were acting well, I won't even go into detail, but I was thinking, what in the, I was so disappointed. I, I remember thinking, man, I, maybe, maybe this Christianity thing is not real, you know, and, uh, and I need to leave here. And I was so discouraged before two hours was up because I had my eyes on people, and when you place your eyes on people, they, it is certain that they will disappoint you. Your spouse will disappoint you. Your pastor will disappoint. Don't amen this one now, okay? Your pastor will disappoint you. Your Sunday school teacher will disappoint you. Your praise and worship team will disappoint you. Your, you know, parking lot greeters will disappoint you because let me tell you, when you're out there in 101 degrees, you're like, park the car here and get in there. You know, don't be bothering me, you know? Okay, okay, I won't, I won't encourage that. But So we need to settle it today. Our message is perfect, but we are not. Look at somebody and say, you're not perfect. Okay, I'm giving you permission. Do it right now. You're not. Oh, I'm seeing somebody's spouses. Oh, Brother Bill, you in trouble now. Uh-huh, Brother Harry. Uh-huh. Okay. So you're not, but we're not. Our message is perfect, but we are not. And if you put your eyes on imperfect people rather than our perfect Savior, you will always be disappointed. And the enemy uses that number one tool in bringing people to a place where they drop their shield of faith. I'm here to tell you there's been a many atrocious things that have been done in the name of Christ. I mean, you study the Crusades, and you study the Spanish Inquisition, and you study the witch hunts that were done. Even some people use the Bible to justify slavery. There's no excuse for this. But let me tell you what. If you get your eyes on people, you will see their imperfection. You will be discouraged, despondent, and the enemy will cause you to throw down your shield of faith. The Bible is so very clear about this, that there is only one perfect one. 
And He uses imperfect people throughout the Bible. And the Bible, all you got to do is read it. It humanizes its heroes. The Bible, you know, tells us about David, a man after God's own heart. David, who is singing and writing psalms to the Lord out in the pasture. He is chasing down a lion. He's chasing down a bear. He is doing all these things to, to, to protect what God has given him oversight. He becomes one of the great leaders of uh, his mighty men. And then he becomes king. And he goes into the court of Saul and plays with such anointing that demons run out. Okay, this is a great man. But then the Bible tells us that he's also an adulterer and a murderer. It's like, wow, you, got, you could have left that part out, you know? But it's there. You read about Abraham. I'm telling you, our father of faith, I'm telling you. But here, he's lying. He, he's, he's nervous in certain situations and, and kind of expands the truth in a way that it shouldn't be. Uh, literally becomes a lie. And Noah, I mean, he's got so much faith and he's such a great family leader that his family is, is, is standing with God in a society that has turned their back on God. But then he gets out of the ark and what? He gets drunk. Oh. And then the bad stuff that happens with his family after that. Did we really need to know that? You know, nation of Israel, they're serving God. They're worshiping God. They're getting lukewarm. They're building idols. They're not worshiping God. They're denying God. They go through tribulation. They repent. They come back to God. And this cycle over and over and over. How about Jesus' genealogy? I'm telling you, read his genealogy. You know, we would have probably hit the highlights, you know. Uh, we, we give a resume. We put the highlights in there. We don't go in there and say, and part of my genealogy is Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. Now, the Bible could have said Bathsheba and left it at that, and we could have thought, well, you know, it's probably a popular name, and, and there was another Bathsheba. It's not, not the one David, you know, okay? But it doesn't. The Bible says Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. Every time it mentions her, the wife of Uriah. Or Rahab, the, the harlot. It didn't just say Rahab, which was probably a popular name. It's pointing out Rahab, the one that was a harlot, okay? Because God humanizes the heroes in the Bible to show us he, a perfect God, can use imperfect people to fulfill his plan on earth. Some of you need to be relieved right now. He can use imperfect people. The other you, others of you who are perfect, you don't even, this message is not for you. You just, you just ignore it. But for us who are still in the struggle, whew, doesn't it feel good to know that God can use imperfect people, a perfect God, to fulfill his perfect plan here on earth? And he doesn't hide these uh, heroes, their faults, because it's all supposed to show us that we don't place our faith in people. We keep our faith in God. And the New Testament says our faith needs to be in Christ alone that it should be in Jesus Christ. So we don't want to uh, embrace a codependent faith uh, because people will always fail you. They will. I'm here to tell you, no matter how hard they try, people will always fail you. Hebrews 12 and 1 says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we need to what? We need to throw off everything that hinders. If we're going to run this race that God's called us to do, we've got a responsibility to throw off everything that hinders and everything that so easily entangles us so that we can run with perseverance. Not just run a sprint, 
but run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Every one of us, God has a race marked out for you, and he wants you to run it with perseverance, not giving up, not giving in, and not throwing down your shield of faith. How do we do it? we gotta, we got to cast off everything that hinders us, everything that, every sin that entangles. we got to purposely cast it off. That's part of a sanctification process. Say, this doesn't line up with God, and if it doesn't line up with God, it's got to go. If this attitude in my life doesn't line up with God, i got to let it go. If this deed I'm doing doesn't line up with the teaching of God's Word, i got to let it go. I know this is not the kind of preaching that we like to hear, but this is the kind of preaching that will cause us to live the successful life that God has called us to. We've got to take responsibility. But we also got to fix our eyes on Jesus, not on people, but on Jesus, for He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Their faith is what's going to cause you to run across the finish line. Your faith is what's going to cause you to finish well. But the only way you can do it is to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not, what, grow weary and lose heart. You've got to keep your eyes on Jesus and what he has done for us and now wants to do through us so you don't lose heart. So what do you do when you're faced with people who claim to believe one thing and they're living another thing? What do you do when you're in a society of people where heroes are falling all the time and Christians are lying and cheating and, and stealing and hurting one another? What do you do? Well, there's atrocious things that have been done in the name of Christ. What do you do? He tells you, fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't look at men. Don't look at men, but keep your eyes on Jesus, for he is high, he is exalted, he is perfect, he is pure, and he'll never let you down. I'm here at 54 years old to tell you I've been serving him with all of my heart since I was 17, and he has never let me down, nor will he ever let me down, and he's no respecter of persons. He will never let you down. Keep your eyes on Jesus. That's how you finish the race. You look at his example. He was spotless. He's without blemish. He is a perfect lamb of God. He walked and he talked and he lived and he breathed perfection. So look to him. Keep him in the focus. Keep him number one. Now, you've heard me say this a thousand times here. Uh, you know, your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. And that's so very important to understand that we need to keep our eyes on Jesus and let him be our example. And that we don't just talk the talk because our talk talks, but we got to walk the walk because our walk talks. And your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Amen? So you got to start walking this thing out. you got to keep your eyes on Jesus and let him be the example that you're aligning yourself to and let that sanctification work of God, that perfecting of maturity in your faith work by the Holy Spirit, making you more like him. Everything you go through, you should come through it looking more like Jesus. If you'll keep your eyes on him, you'll come out looking more like Jesus every time. So it's so important and to know that 
you living a life of hypocrisy may be the stumbling block, number one stumbling block, to others who lose faith. More is at stake here than just you looking at a hypocrite. You've got to make sure that you're not the hypocrite. I've had people say to me, well, you know what, I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. I say, I'd rather go to church with hypocrites than go to hell with hypocrites because if what I understand hypocrites, they're make-believing, they got a fake mask on, you know, they're not who they really are, well, then they're not going to heaven, so you know where they're going. Why do you want to spend eternity in hell with them? How about come up in church and maybe be an example for them that they would throw down their mask and get their hearts right with Jesus and say, I want to live for Jesus and let him begin to sanctify and perfecting work in and through me. So, so instead of using them as an excuse, let us be an example for them. But guard ourselves that we are not the hypocrite who makes believe or pretend plays uh, and, and puts on a fake mask in front of people and then really behind closed doors, we're not what we say we are. Now, again, God uses imperfect people, but he wants to work a process of sanctification in and through us to perfect us and mature us. He is the author of our faith and the perfecter of our faith. So let that process continue. Another reason we see that uh, people uh, throw their faith down and get discouraged and lose faith is confusion. And Jesus talks about that in one of the parables that he said, if you understand this parable, you understand how the kingdom works. Do you want to know how the kingdom of God works, Jesus said? Then you need to understand this parable. So he gave the parable of the farmer sowing the seed. And then the disciples said, well, could you explain it to us? We want to make sure we're getting this. So Jesus breaks it down. And he says in Matthew 13 and 18, therefore hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. Now, let me tell you what, this can rattle your faith. When, when you honestly read through the Bible, you will see that the Bible has some things in it that, 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 doesn't, you, that goes beyond your, your comprehension. There's things that, that you have to accept by faith because if you limit it to just uh, what you've experienced, you will discount the Bible. The Bible is so amazing, so supernatural, so miraculous. And, and if you want to hear uh, uh, some teaching on that, go and listen to the last couple of Sunday mornings where I've been preaching on you can trust the Bible. You can trust the Bible and why you can see it is leading you up and out of your current circumstances. Don't let your current circumstances limit the Bible. Uh, I, I love the story about Billy Graham. He's probably one of the uh, greatest contemporary preachers who ever lived with such integrity. And when he was a young preacher, he said he got, uh, he got up with some liberal college professors uh, in California that did not believe the Bible literally and intimidated him. He said, it, it, it shook me, he said. And he said, it, it got to the place that I lost all confidence in really preaching the Word. So I came to this crossroads and in my life, so I finally, he said, I went out in the woods and I found a tree stump and I laid my Bible on it and I said, oh Lord, I don't understand everything in this book, but I accept it by faith as your word. He said, I came to that crossroads where I said, I'm going to accept the word of God as the word of God. It is supernatural. By faith, I receive it. And he said, from that time on, 
My preaching was marked with a new authority and a new power of the Holy Spirit that began to reach not only our nation, but nations of the world that I never could have imagined I could have reached. But the power came from me placing my faith in the Word of God. And you and I, today, we've got to come to the place where we find our own tree stump and we say, God, I'm going to take your word. I'm going to take you at your word. And then you've got to sign your name there. God, I'm going to take you at your word. I may never have experienced it, but if your word said it's for me, I receive it. I may never uh, under, uh, fully understand this, but if your word says it's for me, I receive it. I, I may not know anyone who's ever walked this way, but if your word says I can walk this way, I receive it. You've got to come to the place by faith that you say, God, I'm going to take you at your word. Even if you never understand every detail and you may not be able to uh, uh, be able to you know, uh, teach others about the infinite wisdom of all of God's uh, uh, word that he has given to us. You say, you know what? I may not even be able to art uh, articulately argue uh, the full existence uh, of God in this polytheistic tolerant society that we're in. But I'm going to take your word. I'm going to take you at your word, God, and I'm going to stand. You'll find in that faith act, a door opens where the Holy Spirit will come in and you will encounter the presence of God. You will encounter the wisdom of God. You will encounter the anointing of God. You will encounter God in such a way because God has called us into relationship by faith. And this is a faith act and a step of faith and an establishment in faith that we believe God, we believe His Word. His Word said Jesus is our Savior. We place our faith in Christ, and you will find that heaven comes to earth in and through your life. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the Son of God. Do you hear me, church? He came and paid our that yes he did and he came to remove our burdens and our sickness and our sorrows and our iniquities i'm here to tell you he came to get the curse off of you and get the blessing on you somebody needs to rejoice because yes they killed him he did die but on the third day he rose again either the tomb is empty or it's not i believe the tomb is empty because the word says the tomb is empty our savior he got up hallelujah and that's my foundation and it cannot be shaken that is where i place my faith in the eternal word of god and the eternal spirit of god and i have found that god shows himself strong in and through my life all the time it's by faith it's by faith i have a christian friend used to be a christian friend who i went to school with and i always looked up to him he seemed to he seemed to know the right Bible verse. He seemed to know the right answer. He, he, he played a guitar and led in worship and in, in the teen, teenage group, and I just really looked up to him. And then as I got on in life, I tried to look him up. This was even before Facebook, and I was talking to someone who said, what about so-and-so? And they said, you know what? He turned away from the church. I said, no way. I said, yeah, he did. I said, why is it? So, well, he went to college for secular higher education, and they challenged his belief system. And rather than study and show yourself approved, rightly dividing the Word of God, he buckled under the persuasion. And that thing really hit me. Someone that I so admired, who, who was being used of God, but he went to a place that challenged his faith. And he dropped his shield of faith, and the enemy started with the fiery darts. 
And I believe that's one of the reasons I preach with such passion and try to make the Bible relevant is that, that you will never, you will never buckle under the persuasion of the attacks of the enemy. That your faith will get planted, it will get rooted, you know, and so that it's not like that seed that's out on the wayside, the birds swoop in and steal it. Because it's on the path, the Bible says, it's vulnerable, it's there when you have no understanding. The Bible says the seed didn't penetrate because there was no understanding of the Word. So I preach God's Word, line upon line and precept upon precept, so that when you're faced with that idiot, that arrogant, that overly educated professor who tells you that your faith is based on a myth, you'll recognize, wait a minute, this is that bird swooping in trying to get the seed of God uh, out of my life. And you can say, oh, no, 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 no. My pastor warned me about you. You're just a bird, maybe a dodo bird or a cuckoo bird or whatever, but you're just a bird. You ain't getting this seed. You're not getting the Word. I'm going to stand on the Word. The Word is a rock that I built my life upon, and I'm not, I may have to go through some storms, but at the end of the storm, I'm still going to be standing. Hallelujah. So here at Christian Embassy, we are raising up a generation who know what they believe so that you're, you're not going to fall out. You're not going to give up. You're not going to sell out your faith. You're going to believe the book, the Word of God. You're going to believe it. You're going to stand on the Word of God. And you're not going to uh, ignore it as just some book of history. You're going to realize it's the living breath of God that can change my life. Hallelujah. So that confusion is one. Now, the third reason is trials of life. Trials of life. Oh, the enemy knows how to play this card very well. In, in verse 20 and 21, Jesus said in Matthew 13, he who receives the seed on stony ground is the one who hears the word immediately, receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. So he tells us that we have this, we've got to be guarded against this, where the seed of God comes in. It's a rocky place. We don't let, we not, we've not dug in. We've not, we've not removed some of the hard places, broken up some of the fallow ground to get the root deep within us. We're just kind of like uh, an emotional Christian, you know, when, when the shout's there, like Wednesday night, oh man, you're, you're saved and on fire on a Wednesday night service like we just had this Wednesday night. But come maybe a, a dry Sunday morning, which I'm not proclaiming that over us today, uh, you feel like, well, I don't even know if I am a Christian or, you know, whatever. Uh, but let me tell you what, our faith is not in faith. Our faith is in the faithfulness of God. And if you place your faith not in faith, but in the faithfulness of God, no matter what the devil sends against you, you're not going to turn on God. You're not going to be discouraged at God. You're going to look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and say, I know what they felt. I know what they were doing. They said, you know what? We're not going to bow to this ungodly idol. We're not going to do it. And, and, and they said, well, if you don't, we're going to heat the uh, furnace up seven times hotter, and we're going to throw you in. They said, you know what? My God's able to deliver them. Our God's able to deliver me. And, and, and I've seen people like that before. But they forget the second part of that where they said, even if he doesn't, 
we're still not going to bow. We're still going to stick with God, even if it doesn't work out the way we would hope it to work out. Somebody needs to hear this today. Because when things don't work out the way you thought they would work out, the easy way, the fast way, there's a tendency to be discouraged with God and throw in the towel. That is when the Word is on rocky soil and it has no root. you got to say like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that the soldiers that opened that furnace doors to throw them in got burnt, the Bible says. They uh, uh, immediate uh, convulsion. I mean, they just burst into flames. And uh, so they had to step over those charred bodies uh, to get into the fire. Nobody could throw them in because the ones that throw them in caught on fire. It was so hot. So they're like so much, uh, so determined that if God wants me to walk through this, then I know that he's going to be with me. He's going to be with me. Let me tell you why. We've got to understand whether we get uh, immediately removed out of the trial or the tribulation or we have to walk through the trial or the tribulation. Our faith is not in faith. Our faith is in the faithfulness of God. And God's going to be with me. And they came through the fire, not the smell of smoke on them. They came through the fiery furnace, not one hair singed. I, I singed some hair. I, we got a gas stove and, and I lit it and I was just, you know, there's, there was something that had dropped down and before I cut it off, I just reached down to kind of just move it in. And, and it singed some of the hair on the back of my arm. And I was reminded that I wouldn't, didn't even touch the fire. This little old tiny, it was the small burner. And, and, and I was just kind of close to it, but it singed my hair. Can you imagine a furnace seven times hotter than it's ever been? So much so that when they opened the furnace doors, the soldiers burst into flames. It's that hot. And they didn't get one singed hair or the smell of smoke on them. I'm here to tell you, you can place your faith in the faithfulness of God and say, I'm not going to bow. I'm going to stick with God. I'm going to keep my faith in God. And you will find God will bring you through whatever, whatever the devil throws against you, he'll bring you through it safely if you'll keep your faith in him. Please hear me. Sometimes God will not meet your expectations of him. Do you hear what I'm saying? Your expectations of him could have been like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego says, my God's able to deliver. My God. And, and, and us who don't want to go through a fiery furnace, we're like, we don't even include that. We're just like, nope, my God, he's going to deliver me. He's going to deliver me. I don't have to go through this. He's going to deliver me. And when you have to walk through it, you don't have faith to walk through it because you are, you are uh, discouraged because God didn't meet your expectation. Anybody know what I'm talking about? you got to learn to place your faith not in faith but in the faithfulness of God. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Let me tell you what, because he, his plan is greater than anything you can imagine, and he by no means wants to harm you. I remember Morgan when she was two, and she had the Morgie do it attitude. That's what was the first phrase she ever learned to say, Morgie do it. She wanted to do everything. She wanted to cook and clean and, and boss everybody around. She was just a little girl, you know, a little two-year-old. I was like, where did she get this from? She's so calm and sweet and kind and humble today. But, boy, back then she was like, Morgie do it, Morgie do it. Well, let me put you in that high chair. No, Morgie do it. And she'd climb up in it, you know, everything, Morgie do it. And we will get her some, something out of the pantry and she was over in maybe her high chair or something like that. And she's like, no, no, Morgie, do it. And she jumps down and goes running across the floor, hits the corner of the wall near the pantry. It has that metal sheetrock, you know, thing there. And it hits her and splits her from her hairline to her chin. And she's open, bleeding, and, uh, 
And I immediately cover it because I'm like, if mama sees this, and then I got two, two girls on my hand that's in trouble. And I started praying, and I was praying in the spirit. And I'm like, Lord God, let I move this towel. Let it not look as bad as what I just saw. And, I got, and then I looked, and I'm like, I got to get her to the emergency room. And I remember taking her to the emergency room, and I was having to hold her while they're putting the shots in it, I reckon to numb it, so that they could stitch everything up. And, uh, and when I was holding her, the look that she was giving me was not, oh, Daddy, I thank you that you love me so much and you want this thing fixed in my life and, you know, this is just going to work out for good and thank you for holding me down and letting these people stick me with this needle and come at me with this thread. Thank you, Dad. That was not the look. She had a look in her eyes like, Daddy, why are you letting them do this to me? And, and I was crying because I, I saw what she was thinking but I knew for her good, I had to let them do what they had to do. So my wisdom, I had to contradict my daughter's expectation of me for her good. And the reason being is because I love her. And I'm here to tell you, as much as I love her, God loves us more. And he's a perfect father. You can trust him. You can trust him. Fix your eyes on Jesus as the perfecter, uh, as the perfect uh, God, your Lord and Savior. And let me tell you what. He's the one that bled and died for you. He's the one that gave his life for you. And he loves you more than you love yourself. Come on. You can trust him. So when trials of life come, don't throw down your shield of faith. Don't say, well, God didn't love me. It didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. It didn't come as quick as I wanted it to. It, it was a little more painful than I'd expected. Uh, you know, yeah, I'm, no. Say, God, I trust you. I trust you. And I'm not going to let the devil win. Bring me through this fiery furnace. Pull a word and stand on that word. As you delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they came through it unharmed. God, I'm claiming it. If I'm going through it, you're going to bring me through it, and you're going to bring me through it without the smell of smoke or a hair singed on my head. I'm going to give you the glory even before I get there because you're a good, good God. Hallelujah. And then the fourth one that the enemy would love to use to cause you to throw down your shield of faith and lose faith is temptation, temptation. And he talks about that in verse 22 where he says, Now he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and, but yet the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. I mean, I've seen this happen so often where someone claims to be a Christian, and, and yet they do something contrary to what the Bible teaches. I'm just giving an example. Let's say uh, they move in with their girlfriend, and then they stop attending the house of God and stop attending worship. And, and here's what they do. They, they retrofit their belief system to accommodate their behavior. Okay? So instead of the pain of repentance, they say, well, I just don't believe that part anymore. I don't believe God was really that serious about that anymore. Okay? Uh, so ever so slowly, they compromise and lose their belief system. The enemy says, if I can't get you to throw your shield of faith down, let me just break off a part of it and throw that aside. He doesn't care because now he can get a better aim and go through that hole and still get that fiery dart into your life. If he can't get you to abandon the whole shield of faith, he just says, let's let some of it erode. Let, let, let some of it go. And now you're retrofitting the... You, the Bible to fit your belief system because you don't want the pain of repentance. Let me tell you what, 21st century does not in any way 
disallow or do away with or antiquitate and put in the history of repentance. We still need to repent before the Lord. If we're walking in a way that doesn't line up with the Word of God, we need to repent. We need to change our mind. We need to do an about-face turn, and we need to turn and align ourselves with God's Word. We need to ask God for forgiveness. He's a God that forgives if we'll ask for His forgiveness. Repentance may be painful, but it's necessary. It's necessary. I mean, I've not only seen this happen in relationships, I've seen it happen in business as well. Folks who will choose some temporary progress by selling out long-term integrity. They want to get ahead. They want to get ahead, but they got to, they got to do something that's not lining up with God's Word. They got to be dishonest. They got to uh, over-promise and under-deliver. They got to act outside of integrity to get ahead on this deal, and they're willing to sell out for temporary progress by giving, uh, uh, yielding long-term integrity. Let me tell you what. Then they'll retrofit it. Well, God wants me blessed, but He doesn't want you blessed by any means. He doesn't want you blessed by any means. The blessing of the Lord comes without sorrow. There is what seems to be a blessing and an increase, but it brings with it sorrow. I don't know about you, but I want to go to the next level, and I want to be blessed without sorrow. I don't want the, the, the promotion. I don't want the progress to cause me to have to lose my family or lose my health. Or lose whatever. You saw see what I'm saying? So you can't go around retrofitting your belief system to accommodate your behavior. You gotta change the way you believe and say, wait a minute, I'm not it, it that's not up for, for a question. That's not up for debate. I'm gonna stay rooted on the word of God. This is what God said, and I'm gonna stand by that. Because if you begin to cause it, allow it to erode, let me tell you what, a little bit here, a little bit there, a little compromise is going to, and Satan says, if I can't get the whole shield of faith, that's fine. Just give me a little hole. Give me a crack so I can get a fiery dart in. I'm still going to destroy you. I'm still going to get you down. Hallelujah. So you got to fix your eyes on Jesus. you got to look at the grace of Jesus. you got to look at the gospel of Jesus. Because, let me tell you what, the seed among thorns is the Word living in the midst of a worldliness and temptation and sinful patterns. You can't blend it. you got either got to go with the Word or go with the world. you either got to walk by flesh or walk by the Spirit. If you walk by the flesh, the Bible says, you will inherit destruction and not inherit the kingdom of God. But if you walk by the Spirit... The Bible says you will inherit eternal life. So you got to say, no, I'm not allowing the seed of God's Word to come into my life among thorns. If I identify thorns, I'm going to pull them out. If I identify weeds, I'm going to pull them out. And I don't know about you, but we need to be ever, ever vigilant to see if there's any weeds and thorns in the garden of our heart. I go out to get the mail, and I look at our flower bed, and I go, wow, beautiful. Beautiful flowers. They didn't, just, they didn't just happen. We had to buy them and plant them, fertilize them, water them. Next day I go out to get the mail. What? Look at that. Where did you come from? And these, these weeds are almost bigger than the plants. And I planted the plants months ago, and the weed wasn't there yesterday. And I say, yeah, right. And even I've taught the kids. I said, this is how we do it. This is how we do it. Come here. 
If you, you can go and get the little tool, or you can use your finger. But you take your finger. You don't mind. It won't, a little dirt won't hurt. A little dirt won't hurt, okay? Dig that finger and get under the root. I don't want you just popping it off at the head. We got to get the root. And I show them. Didn't I, Caleb? Show them. Wiggle, 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 wiggle. Let's go. And then shake the dirt off and say, you're going. You're going root and all. We have to do that in our gardens. We have to do that in our flower beds. because, And that represents to us sin. Weeds represent sin. Who planted them? I, I didn't plant them. But they, let me tell you what. They're just part of the earth. Sin is here. The fallen nature is here. And we've got to weed the garden of our heart daily. If there's any attitude, if there's any thought, if there's anything in us that doesn't line up with the Word of God, pull it up by the root. Because if you allow the thorns and the thistles to grow, I'm telling you, you're going to give in to the temptations that the enemy sends your way. You're going to try and compromise God's Word. And let me tell you what, God is not going to honor a compromised Word. He's not going to do it. He's too holy. You've got to line up with His Word. It's the plumb line or not. It's not, I'll take this little piece, but I don't want that piece. Okay, so these are the, faith, the four reasons that people lose faith. I call them faith fatalities. Hypocrisy, confusion, trials of life, and temptation. Now, where are you at today? Where are you at? Is any of those at work in your life? Is there any rocks that need to be removed? Is there any confusion that you don't understand the Word of God? I'm telling you, you're here this morning for the preaching of the Word, and God calls preachers to preach with, with a gifting of equipping gift so that we can understand the Word, so that we can apply the Word. Trials of life. You may be going through a tough patch in life. You may be going through a time, a season of having to wait. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Maybe the devil's tempting you to live a life contrary to the Word of God, tempting you to uh, adopt uh, attitudes and adopt things that doesn't please the Lord. Don't do it. Pull those weeds out. Don't just pop them off at the head. Get them by the root. Pull them out. Say, no, if this doesn't honor God, it's got to go. If this isn't helping me grow to be more like Christ, it's got to go. If this is hindering my testimony, it's got to go. Somebody, we got to get real. We got to get real because the devil's real, right? Our enemy is real. So we've got to do that. And the good news is this. The Bible says, in, G, in the same teaching, Jesus says, there are faith fatalities, but there's also faith futures. And the faith futures are very rewarding. As he said in verse 23, but he who receives seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. God is wanting you to prosper in every area of your life. 60, 30, or 100-fold. He doesn't want you just, what you're sowing, the word being sown into you, not just to come back for that word, but for it to have multiplied increase and multiplied influence. But it has to be good soil. How do we get our hearts to be good soil? Let me tell you what, we've got to do the hard work of repentance. We've got to make sure we pull the weeds. We've got to let a sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit work in us. The Word sanctifies us. Let the Word by the Holy Spirit sanctify us. And whatever doesn't line up, I look in my flower bed, and I'm like, no. 
and I was teaching the kids because they're like, well, let's pull this one. I said, no, 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 that's a flower. No, don't pull that one up. And I had to help them identify what was weed and what was flower, what was bad and what was good. And that's what the Word of God helps us do. It identifies what is of God and what is not of God. And let me tell you, sometimes what is not of God may not seem ungodly, but it's not right for you. Do you see what I'm saying? God will show you that. He'll show you that. We grew up out on the farm, and we worked so hard in the fields and all, our grass was weeds. And let me tell you what, from a distance when it was mowed, it looked really good. <laughs> we didn't have time to be thinking about so, you know, aerating and all. I mean, never even dreamed that that was a possibility, you know, and having a nice, lush lawn. But it was just weeds and kept it cut, and it looked good. Okay. Don't let that be your life, that you're just going to try to maintain with the sword of the Spirit, uh, 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 grass cutting or weed cutting to where it fools people because that gets you back into hypocrisy. So what you got to do is you got to do the hard work of taking up the stones, taking out the stones, preparing the soil of your heart, taking out the weeds, preparing the soil of your heart so that it's good soil that you can receive this amazing, miraculous Word of God. Every promise of it is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Every plan that God has for you, He wants it to succeed. He wants it to come to full fruition in your life. But you've got to have a heart of faith that is without the weed, without the thorns, without the stones, and with understanding so you can receive it. Amen? So let us not let the enemy calls us to have faith fatalities, okay? We don't want to be the guy uh, that has the image drawn around him. We want to be the, 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 the victor, not the victim. We want to succeed. And, uh, and if you'll go back to that last frame there with the tomato plants there, I, you may be at a different place in your faith in the Lord, and that doesn't matter. That means you could come in today, placing your faith in Christ and getting the seed of God's Word in your heart. But let me tell you what, if you'll continue to serve God and honor God, you're going to grow and grow because the author of our faith is also the perfecter of our faith. He will bring it to maturity in our lives if you don't turn your back on Him. Would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. Father God, we stand in Your presence this day. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your Spirit. We thank You, Holy Ghost, that You're speaking to us, each of us individually. And as we stand in Your presence, Lord God, we question ourselves now. Question yourself and say, what is God saying to me? What is the Holy Spirit impressing upon me even now? Go ahead and ask that question. What is God saying to me? And what does God want me to do? How does He want me to respond? What is, is, is He identified that there's some, some rocks, some hard places in my life that need to be cultivated, that needs to be worked on? If so, by faith, I ask You, Holy Spirit, to come in and soften my heart. Come in, Lord God, and soften my heart that I might uh, be established upon Your Word today. Maybe there's some lack of understanding. God says if we need wisdom, we can ask of Him who will freely give it to us. Ask Him now. Give me wisdom, Lord. 
wisdom to understand your word, wisdom to receive the truth of the teaching of your gospel. Maybe there's some thorns. Maybe there's some weeds. Maybe there's some, some things of the world that you're allowing. You, and God is showing you that these attitudes, these actions, these things that you're doing, they're, they're not pleasing to me. I've given you strict instructions in my word that this is a violation of my will for your life. You have to now make the decision that I'm going to repent and I'm going to ask God's forgiveness and I'm going to pull up, pull up these weeds. I'm going to pull them out. I'm not going to take them home with me. I'm not going to allow them to continue to grow and multiply in my life because they're choking out the Word of God. The Word of God is not able to be fruitful in my life because I'm allowing these sins. I'm allowing these things that are so unpleasing to the Lord. And these attitudes, i got to get them out. I repent. I repent. Maybe He's calling you to repentance today. Maybe He's calling you to take the Word and plant it in your heart and have faith to believe and receive through all perseverance, through all trials, through all challenges, that I'm going to stick, stick with God's Word. If it doesn't work out the way I thought it was going to work out, I'm still going to stick with God's Word. If everybody around me who said that they were believing the same thing disappoint me, I'm not putting my eyes on them, I'm keeping my eyes on Jesus. you got to be like Peter when he got out of the boat to walk on the water. As long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he walked in the miracle zone. But the moment he looked at the wind and the waves and the things coming against him, he began to sink. I'm telling you, you got to keep your eyes on Jesus. What is the Spirit of the Lord calling you to do today? Is it repent? Is it to ask God and yield to his sanctifying power and work in and through your life to help you turn and, and pull up and destroy some of the old ideologies that don't line up with the Word of God? What is it is he calling you to today? Is he calling you to take his word and believe it? As Billy Graham said, from this day forward, I'm going to accept the word of God. Whatever it says, whether it feels good or not, I'm standing with the word. I'm going to believe the word. Oh, I want you to leave here today with your shield of faith lifted up high and without erosion. I want you to have that shield of faith because there's fiery darts coming against you. I'm here to tell you the devil's plan fiery darts against you this week. He wants to get them in. He wants to destroy you. But let me tell you what, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. It will do it God's way. You can lift up your shield of faith over all and quench every fiery dart. What is the Spirit of the Lord calling you to? Is it to a place of repentance? Oh, find an altar of prayer. You can do it right now. You can come to this altar. You can find an altar at your seat. You can find an altar this week, but make sure you find an altar of prayer and you repent before God and you tell God how sorry you are for allowing this in your life and for doing these things that have violated His will. Repent before God for godly sorrow and cry out to Him and ask for His forgiveness and He's faithful, He's just. He will forgive you. He will cleanse you. But you've got to be committed to rise up and walk in that different way than the way you came in before repentance. What is he saying to you? What is the Holy Spirit asking for you to do? Do it. Do it. Do it. Make that decision right now. This is the week beginning right now. First day of the week here in this early service. I mean, this early time of this day. I'm going to make that decision. What is that decision? Will you honor what God is calling you to do? Will you honor it? And walk in obedience to it. Let there be a mark in the time of history right now. 
that you say from this moment on, I'm going to do it God's way. No matter how painful repentance is, no matter how painful uh, it is for me to, to, to go through this sanctifying process and get these weeds pulled up out of here, no, I am going to do it God's way. I want my life to honor my honorable God. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit would seal this word upon our hearts and our minds so that we will not walk out of here and lose any of it. But Lord God, that your word would be established in our hearts to produce the, that, that great increase that you want to do in and through us. For each and every one, I pray, let your spirit go with them now. Let your anointing, Lord God, be over them this day. In the name of Jesus and your blessings and your favor, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Come on. Give